0: hello and welcome back to the frogs of war podcast i'm anthony north that's russ hodges we are back to talk all things tcu sports coming off a big away win in austin 1710 over the texas longhorns uh basketball had an up and down uh disappointing week and soccer volleyball other things happening but russ how are you doing today
1: Doing good. We got some uh, snow rolling through the Chicagoland area, one of our first snows of the year, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Had a busy week and excited to talk about this football. And uh, Regrettably, we have to talk about some basketball stuff, but we'll look to find some positives there. And Going to give TCU Volleyball a little bit of love, too, for a a big win against Baylor and uh, just beating West Virginia about an hour or so ago. So some, some exciting things happening with the volleyball program as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, well-deserved praise all around TCU Athletics, um, save for the men's basketball team. We'll get into that. But the big news of the week, TCU football taking down Texas Longhorns in front of the second most people ever to, to catch a Longhorn game at Daryl K. Royal Stadium. Uh, sent them all, or, or the ones who were clad in burnt orange, home unhappy uh, Texas came into the game as a large favorite, seven to seven and a half point favorite. TCU controlled the game defensively, and and was able to keep all of those superstars on the Texas offense completely at bay. Um, it, it was uh it was a great night in in Austin for the Horn Frogs. Put on a, a good show, I think, winning in a different way than had won so far this season, had not had a defensive performance like that um, really in a long, long time. That was quite impressive. What stood out to you, Russ?
1: Yeah, I think the defense absolutely stood out. I mean, this was bar none the best defensive performance of the season coming off a pretty solid effort against Texas Tech. And uh, it was a collective effort too. I think that's what was really exciting. And uh, in a battle of uh Big 12 supremacy at the running back position Bijan Robinson and Kendra Miller who's better uh Bijan Robinson held to 29 yards in this game on 12 uh 12 carries I believe it was his season low in terms of rushing yards uh 2.4 yards a carry did not have a rushing touchdown uh for the first time in a few weeks uh, this was his lowest total I believe rushing since the Alabama game and Roshan Johnson didn't fare much better either, only 14 yards on five carries. So uh, it, it was the big boys up front who really showed out in this game. When you look at uh, 33 of the 47 tackles made by TCU's defense were made by guys at those front six positions. Uh, Tymon Mitchell and Dylan Horton both made some sacks. Shad Banks had that huge fourth down stop, of course, playing for D. Winters, who missed the first half after that targeting foul last week, uh, and Johnny Hodges. I mean, you talk about a player stepping up and becoming a leader when one of your key players is out, had 11 total tackles in this game, uh, was the best player on the field defensively, and he was the Big 12 defensive player of the week, and rightfully so. Uh, but in, in the secondary, too, I mean, Quinn Ewers has struggled a little bit over these last couple of games, but... I I was not impressed by what I saw from him at all. I mean, he completed just under 44% of his passes uh, Threw a deep ball in the double coverage that Travis Hodges Tomlinson picked off. He had an interception for the second straight game. uh, Also had multiple pass breakups. Bud Clark at the free safety spot had two pass breakups. Uh, I believe defensively uh, in total, seven passes defensed in this game, uh, six tackles for loss, just, you couldn't have asked for a better effort, uh, defensively and, uh, getting fourth down and third down stops was huge as well. Texas was one of 13 on third down in this game, Amazing. And one of four on fourth down. So the frogs putting the clamps down defensively when, like you mentioned the offense, uh, uncharacteristically struggled and I guess we'll kind of, talk a little bit about the the offense right now anthony what did you think about just the way things kind of transpired and and how the frogs were able to to find something on that end down the stretch
0: yeah i mean certainly the first half big struggles for that uh that offensive unit the offensive line was again kind of getting dominated um the the texas d line was we talked about it coming into the game there's up and down that line Big time playmakers, uh, and and they were certainly putting Max in bad positions and and forcing. Uh, I think TCU had three drives that were went for the complete drive was negative yardage. Um, you know, three and outs that included a sack, um, or or a negative pass that, you know. Was never going to be able to recover and, and get anything going offensively. Uh, the offensive game plan in the first half also seemed to really rely on, um, horizontal plays, whether, uh, long developing run plays or that wide receiver screen that we see so often to Tay Barber or Darius Davis that, um, the, the speed of the Longhorn defense was making that kind of, Completely useless for the TCU offense. So, um, first half, really poor job. Um, and and really, I don't know if it's necessarily a poor job or really that Texas defense was living up to its hype. Uh, where the 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 Texas the Texas offense was not living up to its hype in the first half. But um, you know, obviously, then it comes down to the big plays. So. Uh, second half comes around and and Kendre Miller breaks one and it, h- huge block up the field by Savion Williams there um, that turns a you know maybe a nine yard gain into a seventy five yard touchdown to to break the game open and then um, the Quinton Johnston touchdown uh, a thing of beauty that Longhorns brought the blitz there heavy blitz um, Kendra Miller picked up a a a, a Massive block on that one that uh, gave Duggan just enough time to to lift it up there to QJ for the score that that proved to be the game winner. So, uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of room for improvement. I think that the disappointing thing in the first half was TCU kept getting these excellent field positions where you know on on the good side of midfield or or just past midfield and. Um, whether it was stopping Texas on those fourth down attempts or, uh, you know, tough punts or the turnovers, TCU had opportunities in the scoring zone that couldn't convert into points. Uh, Just that, just the one field goal, the other field goal attempt that's blocked um, from Griffin Kell. So unfortunate missed opportunities there, but certainly capitalized enough in the second half to, and, and the defense made it so it it didn't end up mattering so much in the end.
1: Yeah, you know, in the first half, uh, Max was kind of under siege. I, it was like negative play after negative play after negative play. He sacked five times in the game, and uh, there were many scenarios where Texas was just putting six guys up right on the line of scrimmage, uh, not even faking a drop back, just coming right after him. And I think, you know, later on in the game, TCU started keeping a running back to to try and protect and shore up that uh, blocking up front. And and you had mentioned that Kendra Miller uh, stood in and, and helped set a block to give Max a little more time to hit Quentin Johnston on that touchdown but the pressure early on from Texas really was overwhelming for this TCU offensive line. The protection was really in in disarray. But also, I think the you also brought up the the quick passing game. Those horizontal throws out to the perimeter. Uh, Darius Davis finished this game with four catches, I believe, for negative six yards. And uh, that's something that and they tried to get him on a jet sweep, like one of those little touch passes that has been successful earlier on in the season. And it just wasn't there. Um, These are things that, you know, weren't there in this game seemingly haven't been there in the last couple of games, but um, offensively your star players showed up when they had to. It was great to see Quentin Johnston out there. Uh, No doubts about that ankle. Uh, He looked, he looked pretty good to me. He had, only three catches for 66 yards and a score, but each of those catches were big time. One of them is the touchdown. The other is the quick slant to pick up a first down and effectively seal the game there on a play where if Max waits another half second, he's probably getting dropped. And then uh, his first catch was a a big first down and a long gain as well. So uh, really happy to see that. Kendra Miller, ho-hum, another 100 plus yard (laughs) rushing effort and, you know, the the Frogs are really leaning on this run game right now. This is back to back games with uh twenty plus carries for Kendra Miller, ten plus carries for Amari Di Mercado, who had sixty five yards and had some really big runs Watch. in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh given the Texas defense, the little boy treatment down the stretch there to <laughs> to help seal the win. But um you know, one last thing I kinda wanna bring up and get your thoughts on is just the uh the near catastrophic meltdown uh, at the end of the game when it's 17-3 to and the Frogs have the ball. You think the game is all but over at this point, and then it looks like there was a a miscommunication on the read option. Um, Max winds up dropping the ball, tries to fall on it, can't fall on it, turns into a scoop and score, and all of a sudden it's a one-possession game. And if Texas is somehow able to get a stop, then they have the ball back with a chance to potentially tie it and I was just kind of uh, surrender cobraing in that moment um i I can't remember the last time I saw something like that from this offense or from from max what what were you what was kind of going yeah your it mind was in that moment
0: I, it was frightening I, I think I tweeted I'm going to vomit. I was, I was very nervous about it. <laughs> I, and, and like you said, we haven't seen that this season and it's the thing of like, uh Oh, is this the, is this that moment that, you know, everybody all over the country has been waiting for TCU to have that moment of failure. Is this going to be that moment? Um And, yeah, uh, you know, I, I mean, like Kirk Herbstreet was talking about the big 12 championship game and who, who TCU's matchups going to be with. And, um, you know what they're going to look like in the playoff ranking and uh it it was kind of like just just don't don't count it until it's there don't it's not over until those uh that scoreboard shows uh 00, zero. so um i yeah i was worried about it but it mostly i think what was concerning was all of these, it felt like TCU should have had already run away with this game. And you give this glimmer of opportunity to Texas to, to come back and and eventually maybe win tie and win the game. Um, you don't, you don't want to give a team like Texas any glimmer of hope you want, you want to break their will and them to, you know, all 104,000 of them to, to, shovel off out of the stadium, uh, before, you know, in that final four minutes. Um, and to then kind of light that spark, it could have become a burning inferno of, uh, you know, Texas opportunity that to the horn Frogs credit, they just strapped it right back on and, uh, went out there and grinded out the first downs necessary to, to run the clock out. It really, Maybe that's the most impressive drive of the game, actually, is coming back right after that, uh, terrible scoop and score to, uh, to pick up those first downs. You, you mentioned the Demarcado plays, um, and the Quentin Johnston, uh, yeah, the, the cojones to, to run that play there, to th- call a pass play, um, a play that, had not worked earlier um that you know Johnston makes the catch and and that more or less seals the game um i think you don't want to give i i would have i would have been really worried if TCU had to punt away there and give that offense an opportunity even though they had done nothing all day um you know i i think Sanders had a few drops uh worthy had a few drops if if they have a little drive late in the game where they don't have those drops um you know obviously it all worked out fine in the end but huge credit to to dug into coming back out there and that offense just you know putting it right water under the bridge and uh grinding out those final minutes
1: yeah, the the pigskin might have been a little slippery in general in this game because there were quite a few drops uh, by guys on both sides that were that were pretty uncharacteristic.
0: Yeah, and even um, you know Quinn Ewers had a similar fumble. They were down like inside the ten or something where he he just kind of dropped the ball and lucky enough it bounced right back up to him before Shad Banks could get there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think may- maybe that's nerves. Maybe that's something going on there, but uh a lot of drops around uh particularly on the Texas side. I think um, you know, that's some people will point to that as oh TCU got lucky because Jatavius Sanders had all those drops and like, okay, well, that's not if if yeah, just catch the ball then. Um I I don't know. But I guess what what does it mean to TCU for this season for uh you know uh, we can talk about the Gary Patterson of it all um as well uh to to go in there and with uh, you know pretty much unanimous across the country, all nationwide commentators saying that t c u was was not going to win this game and go there and and really more or less dominate um it, even if the scoreboard came down to a one score victory,
1: yeah, I think. Given what the stakes were, we didn't even talk about that. Texas was a seven-point favorite, I believe, coming into this game, and um, with 104,000 plus fans at the stadium looking to uh, have an opportunity to get riled up there at the end of the game after that scoop and score for TCU to be able to buckle down uh, at the end of the game, and uh, it's it's a great win. I think no matter how you slice it up, it's a great win. Uh, against a ranked team on the road. Anytime I think you can beat a ranked team on the road, it means a lot for your program. And, you know, unfortunately, the the narrative that's dominating the, the national airwaves right now is just that um, the the Frogs are hanging on and the Frogs are going to be on upset alert. You know, down there already talking about the Frogs being on upset alert against, against Baylor. I yeah. think Paul Feinbaum yeah. and, you know, Stephen A. Smith is saying that uh, TCU may not be better than Tennessee and you know it's it's we, we could ramble on and on about this I know I could because it grinds my gears quite a bit but <laughs> um, you know the reality is I think if the Frogs just continue to, to come out and play fundamentally sound football and limit the self-inflicted mistakes they're going to be in a position to win games regardless of of how many points they're winning by. And when she's all set and done, when you're 13-0 and 0 and a conference champion, uh, a berth in the college football playoff is going to await you. So uh, we have a short stretch between now and then and uh, really interested to see how the Frogs finish down the stretch here because it seems like, you know, the, the season started, the offense was so explosive. And as the season has kind of Gone on, the defense has seemingly gained more confidence. You see guys making really good tackles in space, playing good coverage uh generating a little bit of pressure up front uh but the offense in the in the passing game is you know starting to kind of sputter a little bit so uh would really like to see that passing game get back on track uh as the frogs get ready for for Baylor and we'll talk about that in a little bit but um collectively this it's a good win for TCU and 8 and 3 i believe now against the longhorns since entering the big 12 uh frogs might be big brother might be big brother <laughs> I'm just going to float that out there
0: yeah yeah that's that's what that's what everyone forgot about is that TCU just owns texas it it doesn't doesn't matter who's out there on the field it doesn't matter that's that's just the way it is
1: day too. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. College yeah. Game day and look at the frogs track record on, on college game day. I mean, they they're showing up when it's
0: making it now eight and one, I think eight and one in, yeah. uh, in all college game day games. And the only loss is the, it, w- it wasn't even a, a campus game day game. So yeah, I think, uh, there's, there's just some, some magic out there floating in the air. um, yeah yeah one one of the other things that kind of leading into the game that people were talking about was how uh you know Arch Manning was going to be there big um the next greatest of all time recruits after Quinn Ewers was the greatest of all time quarterback recruits um and you know that oh he was going to see the show that that the Longhorns put on and obviously they didn't put on that show but you know, maybe he's watching this game thinking he can step right in as a true freshman and, and, and take that job. I mean, I, I don't think really Ewers has shown anything this season to suggest uh, that his long-term viability as the starting quarterback for the Longhorns is, is really safe.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, Quinn Ewers kind of lit the college football scene on fire with his first half performance against Alabama, and after that game, the whole narrative was, but if Quinn doesn't get hurt, we have a chance to win the game. <laughs> but you look at his numbers, I mean, over the last three weeks, he's he's completed fewer than 50% of his passes in two of his last three games. Uh, really, really struggled against Oklahoma State. Really, really struggled in this game. I, I don't know if he's, like, not 100%, but Could be. is it just yeah. me? I felt like I was watching him throw the ball, and it's just like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of zip on the ball to me. Like, it seems like he is kind of trying to place the ball in certain spots as opposed to trying to get it there, if you know what I mean. It it just, it feels like a lot of his throws are just kind of, I don't want to use the word lazy, because I don't think that's the right word, but it's just... You know, he doesn't really drive the football. Doesn't have the pop. Doesn't have that. And and that makes me wonder, like, okay, is there something going on there? But um, I I think he's a better player than what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. And perhaps it's just a a credit to a great all-around defensive effort like we discussed before. But, um, you know, Arch Manning might have been licking his chops watching that performance and thinking, oh, man this this might be my job next year. I don't know. We'll see we'll see how uh Quinn Ewers responds over these next couple of games cuz Texas is still in the running for for a spot in Arlington, who knows.
0: Still have that opportunity. One other thing I want to kind of get your thought on before we close out the Texas game is um Max Duggan as a runner. Um we've now seen four Four straight games where he's got under 15 yards rushing. Obviously, this game, uh, way, way, way under at negative 41 total yards. Given uh, the the sheer number of sacks mm-hmm. a, and the the yardage lost on those sacks, um,
1: Michael Scott cringe gif.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's rough. But do we do we think the offense has moved away from him as a runner or? That's just not how the game plan has worked, or are are we expecting to see Max break out those wheels again down the line?
1: Yeah, it really seems like he has become more of a pocket passer in this scheme. Um, the, the rush attempts have been pretty high over the last few games, but that's often because he's been uh, getting sacked, and that's just how the stats work. And in, in college football, like in the Texas game, t- ten rush attempts for negative forty-one yards. Um, that is also a symptom of being sacked five times. Uh, but but also, I think I, I think it's a combination of factors. Um, you know, Max over his last couple games has thrown for under two hundred yards. His completion percentage is down. Over the last three games down to just under fifty nine percent, I'm not sure if maybe he might be a little banged up uh potentially nursing some kind of a of an injury maybe he doesn't want to leave the pocket, maybe he doesn't want to take a hit i'm not that's not any kind of like assertion to question his toughness or anything like that because that would be absolutely asinine with with what he's given to the program but it, it definitely feels like. You know, with the way Kendra Miller and Amari Di Mercado have taken on a very healthy workload, um, they 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 haven't really used him as a runner, and it doesn't really seem like that's the game plan. You know, it seems like uh, a lot of these throws that Max is looking for down the field, 15, 20 yards plus down the field, they take time to develop. And I think what we've seen over these last couple of games is... You know, teams are looking for the quick action on early downs. They're looking for the passes out to the perimeter. They're looking for the jet sweeps. They're looking to stop the run on early downs. And if they're successful in doing that, then they're going to pin their ears back and bring the pressure in later downs. Because I I feel like they know Max's tendencies, and we've talked about these on the podcast, he doesn't like to throw the ball away. He doesn't often check down to his running back. And when there have been opportunities, especially in the Texas tech game to escape the pocket and scramble, pick up some yards, he just doesn't want to do it. He's keeping his eyes downfield, looking for throws that just aren't there. So I think, you know, it's a combination of, I think there are going to be some adjustments made uh, from The standpoint of Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator, to um, get some action maybe out of the backfield or a little bit more uh, vertical, some more vertical concepts as opposed to everything going from side to side. That might be an adjustment to kind of offset those blitzes that TCU has seen so many of over the last couple games. But I also think that. Max has got to be willing to scramble a little bit and t- or, or throw the ball away. It's even if you're only able to pick up five yards on a third and eight, and you have to or
0: not lose eight yards like, on right. first like, down.
1: Right. Yeah. And throwing the ball away is not the worst thing in the world. You know, try live to fight another down. Bring this, bring the punter out. Trust that your defense can get a stop and get you the ball back. Or try to maybe find some kind of positive gain. You know, taking a sack does nobody no good. And it seems like you can basically guarantee once a game, Max is going to take a sack that he shouldn't. Um, At the end of the day, a lot of this is easier said than done. These are just my observations. Um, I I think some adjustments need to be made uh, schematically. I think Max, as a quarterback, needs to be better in certain scenarios. Um, I'm not sure if maybe there might be some, some dings there, but uh, we'll see how the offense responds, and we'll see if this passing game, which, again, under 200 passing yards each of the last two games, can get back on track against Baylor.
0: Yeah, and and it's picking nits a lot here because we're talking about a team that's 10-0, and and Max is has led them uh, and certainly done everything necessary to obtain those wins. Um, so that's what we're looking ahead to. All right, we got it. We got to win these last three and then hit the playoff and see what happens. Um, and you did mention though, the, uh, the pass game to the running backs have to shout out the Kendra Miller again, getting a, a screen pass to, to, Get ten yards. His one catch of the game went for ten yards, and it was um, a rumbling, bumbling, uh, you know, broke, thing broke of beauty. About four
1: tackles, I think, on that play. I <laughs> thought that play was dead to right. I thought uh, that three or four times, no yeah, yep.
0: And and he made it happen to get that first down. A big big play. Um, also, have to shout out Jordy Sandy, um, the punter, who had good punts through the night and Texas was really sending heat at him. Uh, clearly they saw something on film that um, showed maybe a vulnerability to, to taking, uh, to allowing a blocked punt. Um, they, uh, the Longhorns got to him early and it wasn't called then got to him later And it was to give TCU a first down there that that ended up leading. I think that was the drive that turned into the Quentin Johnston touchdown. So uh, ends up being a big play where instead of putting the putting away, giving the ball back to uh, the Texas offense, you continue forward on a drive, eating more clock and, and scoring. So a, a big moment in the game. I know a lot of the Texas people online have just like, uh, really nasty uh responses to him that's that's been disgusting and gross um and but but even just the the ones publicly uh people are you know they're thinking he didn't actually get hit or whatever but you know I mean uh I think he did, and whether it's roughing or running into on that play it was like fourth and three it wouldn't have mattered it would have been a first down either way. And, you know, when when you play with fire like that as as a team rushing a punter, um, you know, if you're not careful, you get burned and you, and you get that penalty. It's something it's the risk you're taking by making that all out uh, punt block call.
1: Yeah, you know, special teams has uh, continued to be a strong area for the Frogs throughout the season, even that uh, first field goal attempt. You know, it's partially blocked. I think that snapped a streak of, of eight consecutive makes. But bouncing right back, Griffin Kell hitting that field goal, and uh, was not expecting three zero at halftime. I will, I would love to uh, meet the man who had that prediction at halftime. But uh, yeah, I think on on that play, you look at it in, in slow mo and. I think there were some Texas fans who were upset, thinking that, oh, it might have been a flop. But like you said, when you're bringing that much pressure and you you land anywhere close to the punter, and I believe the rule might be you, you have to give uh, the punter... He
0: has his, to have a landing zone. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it, kind of like the Max face mask, no face mask, where it looks... It, it looks... Bad at first glance. Um, when you slow it down, doesn't look as bad. But I, I think it was the right call in in this game. And um, you know, when you get a you get you get breaks in football sometimes, and when you when you get those breaks, you take advantage of them, and and that's what what the frogs did.
0: So with the win, uh, the committee moved the Horned Frogs exactly nowhere. Um, TCU was remained at number four in the college football playoff ranking uh, that came out late Tuesday. Um, Not a surprise there. Uh, Obviously, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan all won in pretty easy fashion, so um, to to keep it it, that way. Did get losses from Oregon and UCLA to to shake things up in the Pac-12 a little bit. Um, and kind of more or less eliminate them as contenders to, to overtake TCU at any time. Um, USC is still lurking down there. And then of course, Tennessee, LSU, Clemson, uh, maybe North Carolina even hanging out down there, but, um, not a huge shakeup. I think this did though, speak to, uh, TCU keeps kind of knocking away anything that, um, detractors can say bad about them so you know the the last couple weeks it's been well they're not a balanced team they're not equally good on defense as they are on offense they're Mm. yes they're explosive but they can't stop anybody um uh oh they they have to they're they're getting to play backup quarterbacks um you know all of that you know coming into this game there were there I, i heard you know national media people talking about Bijan Robinson could still be in the Heisman race. Bijan Robinson is the best running back in all of college football. Bijan Robinson is going to be a top five draft pick. Um, yeah, he was just held under 30 yards in, in a college football game. I mean, um, and that, that's uh, silencing those doubters one by one. It's, there's a lot of doubters out there, so it's going to take all season to silence them all. But, um, you know, it's it's good to see the Frogs continue to take these steps.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those situations where it's, it's tough as a fan base to be, I guess, resigned to the fact that uh, TCU as a smaller school and a smaller label, I guess you can say, is going to have to uh, continuously give committee members or people on the national stage reasons to believe that they are legit. Um, When in reality, I think if you stripped everything away, you stripped the colors and the logos and everything away uh, and just look purely at what has been done on paper, five wins over ranked teams, uh, two wins over ranked teams on the road. By ESPN's own metrics, the number one strength of schedule in all of college football. Um, a 10-0 and 0 team in a Power 5 conference, I believe seven wins or eight wins against teams with records of 500 or better. The resume speaks for itself. Um, if it were Texas or Oklahoma with that resume, would they still be stuck at number four? I don't think so. If it was Clemson with that resume, would they still yep. be stuck at number four? I don't think so. But you you kind of find yourself uh, running down a rabbit hole, I guess, when you continue to bring up those kinds of uh, hypotheticals. But um, I think the it's a harsh reality, I guess, and it's tough as a fan base and, a, and as a member of the fan base to, to swallow that it's going to be a – what seems like an eternal fight for national respect. But I think that's part of the
0: beauty of being TCU fans. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of what it's all about is like, all right, you're going to doubt us and we're going to go show you why you're wrong. And that's, I think that's part of the fun of it. Yep. Um, and
1: what's even more fun to, to be honest is with Texas and Oklahoma, obviously leaving soon for the, for the sec, you got UCF cracking the top 25 uh Cincinnati Cincinnati's believe, back got yeah in the top 25 mm-hmm. uh so you're still going to have some some really competitive football being played uh in in the foreseeable future and uh for for TCU I mean you look at the Big 12's future with no Texas or no Oklahoma uh who is frequently third behind those two schools in recruiting uh mm-hmm. who is usually right up there or higher than those two schools in terms of endowment, it'd be the frogs. So uh, TCU really has an opportunity um, with, with this season and moving forward to uh, really expand the brand that is being built. And I'm really excited to see, you know, even after, regardless of how this season unfolds um, just, just, the, the, way the, the, the way the program and the way the brand is viewed and, and perceived as we move into the future.
0: The future for the Frogs is exciting. Anything else we need to touch on on last week uh, before we move forward to Baylor?
1: Uh, you know what? I think we, we just about covered everything. Um, just looking at some quick scores around the Big 12, uh, Kansas State, in uh, another big game, you know Kansas State and Baylor, I believe, were playing at about the same time. Uh, the Frogs were playing Texas in a game that uh, two teams vying for that second spot now in the Big Twelve Championship game. Kansas State once again calls Will Howard out of the bullpen, and he throws a hundred mile an hour heaters all game long. Uh, <laughs> throws for three <laughs> touchdowns and. Baylor gets stomped for 31-3, uh, to 3. so Kansas State now is kind of in that driver's seat as the number two team in the conference standings, even though they're two games behind the Frogs. They have a game lead on uh, three teams now with three losses in Texas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, and there are a variety of tiebreaker scenarios, but uh, Oklahoma State helped its own cause out with a 20 to 14 win against Iowa state in a game where Gunnar Gundy, the son of Mike Gundy actually started the game. Uh, Spencer Rattler and Garrett Rangel were both viewed as doubtful for this game. And Spencer Sanders actually came back uh, in the second half and threw a touchdown and led them to a win. Texas tech uh, gets a big win against Kansas 43 to 28. I believe they ran for four touchdowns in that game. So, uh, Typical high-scoring Texas Tech uncharacteristically doing it on the ground as opposed to through the air. And then uh, for the second time this season, uh, West Virginia playing spoiler. uh, Obviously, they beat Baylor on a walk-off field goal earlier this season. Uh, Their kicker, ironically, his last name is Casey Legg with two Gs, using his leg with one G to boot a game-winning field goal again against Oklahoma. West Virginia wins that game 23-20. Garrett Green came on in relief of JT Daniels, who uh, played like poop and got benched. And Garrett (laughs) Green came in and really brought the Mountaineers back in that game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel was not very impressive for the Sooners. Eric Gray carried the load, ran for 211 yards in that game. And... uh, I can't remember a time where Bedlam was this irrelevant. Um, you know, Oklahoma State has clinched a, a bowl berth. Oklahoma's 5 and 5 and trying to get one, but you you would think coming into the season that this would be a game with with Big 12 championship or even college football playoff ramifications and now for Oklahoma it's please don't let us finish 6 and 6. <laughs> don't let us finish 5 and 7.
0: Yeah, the Sooners just struggling to, to get to bowl eligibility. And, uh, the Cowboys, though, that win, even if it's not super impressive over Iowa State, did put them back up into the the playoff top 25, uh, up into number 22, I think. So yeah. there, yes, TCU has two wins over current top 25, uh, in the playoff rankings with the Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Texas did fall out of the rankings, but um, you know, I'd probably expect to see them back in They'll at some point back. if they went out. Yeah. yeah that's, you know Texas is always back. back.
1: Eight and four. You, you know it. It's not <laughs> even a question.
0: Most definitely. So, uh, I think you noted that the Kansas State game was at the same time as, as TCU. So I didn't get to see too much of it, but, um, going back and, and reading the stories and watching the highlights, man, they're, they're looking scary. And, and the Will Howard of it all is, I, I think, he's probably their better quarterback and um he certainly played very strong against the frogs and that's a that's a scary team to play in the conference championship game they are no joke no pushover and have been you know certainly were one of the toughest games for TCU this season so we'll see how that all shakes out and and who will be facing the frogs in Arlington um Still a couple games before that. So this week, coming up Saturday, 11 a.m. Waco, Texas broadcast on Big Fox, uh, TCU against Baylor. It's the revivalry. It's, it's all the, all the hatred, all the vitriol, all, uh, all the things you can say, uh, bad about an opponent and, and a fan base. You say it about Baylor. Um, I say I say that jokingly. I mean, I think I think the some of the hatred of this rivalry certainly has gone by the wayside with no Gary Patterson, no Art Bryles, um, but the play on the field has been has been fierce of late, and, as always. And you know, last season TCU more or less eliminated Baylor from uh, playoff contention with, with its win in Fort Worth and now Baylor has its opportunity at revenge. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how that plays out. Um, you know, watching, uh, the bears this season, I think it's, it's certainly been a disappointment, you know, projected to win or come in second, uh, in the big 12 conference going into the season, there, there was a lot uh, of, of hype around the Bears. And the move from uh, Gary Bohannon to Blake Shapin was pretty roundly thought of as the right thing to do. And Dave Aranda was pretty well praised um, for, for making that call early and allowing Bohannon to move on to USF. I think shapin has been fine. And I don't know that Bohannon would have... Really been too much better. Maybe he, you know, comes in if he's the backup in that West Virginia game, and, and they they survive there. But um, this is a team that's that's really won with its defense, won with its running game. Uh, that uh, Squirrel Williams, uh, Richard Reese have been really strong in in a lot of games this season. Uh, something that TCU will need to s- be able to stop. Um, the, the marketplace is showing this as a, as a projected tight game, um, two point, two and a half point favorite The the frogs are going into Waco. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be another dog fight, um, in a tough environment. How are you feeling about, uh, the frogs going into Waco this weekend?
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a Baylor team coming in that, still theoretically has a chance to qualify for the Big 12 championship and is going to be absolutely looking to exact some revenge on the Frogs after what happened in Fort Worth last year where uh, Chandler Morris goes uh, goes to the moon and back for I believe over 500 yards of total offense and Shad Banks secures that game-winning interception to, to ruin uh, Baylor's season effectively and Um, I feel like the Frogs have kind of had the upper hand in recent years against Baylor, but there have been some, some competitive games and, uh, offensively, you know, Blake Chapin has kind of struggled in these last few games. He's had consecutive games without a touchdown, three interceptions over his last two games. And, uh, you brought up how Baylor was kind of viewed at the start of the season, um, I felt like they were going to be really young on the offensive side because they lost quite a bit of skill talent. Uh, Obviously, Ben Sims was coming back. Drake Dabney, who they, I believe, lost for the season with an injury earlier this year. That was a a pretty significant hit there for them. But they were going to need to grow up pretty fast at those skill positions and, and lean on that defense, which... Uh, ha- has kind of come and gone, seemingly, as the year has has progressed. But uh, ultimately, this is a, a scenario where Baylor has to win out to have a chance of playing in the Big 12 championship. So uh, bowl eligibility already secured, but it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a dogfight, and I'm curious to see how Baylor's rushing game fares against this TCU defense that just dominated against Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who I think are better running backs than what Baylor will deploy. But we brought it up last week. It doesn't really seem to matter who Baylor lines up back there. We've seen uh, Richard Reese go off for 30 plus carries for well over a hundred yards. Craig Williams has done it as well. So, uh, I, I expect, I guess, kind of a similar game plan defensively where the these guys in the front six are going to be challenged with stopping that run and forcing a quarterback in Blake Chapin that has struggled to throw the ball in recent games to beat them throwing the ball. So that, that's what I look for uh, from TCU defensively in this game.
0: Yeah, one thing I was looking up that that interested me in, and I was really surprised in in looking up on this Baylor team, their football outsiders, defensive line and offensive line splits. Uh, They have some advanced stats on, on uh, a lot of different things on the, on the offensive and defensive line, but the, the bears offensive line is extremely strong. um, Showing as, uh, one of one of the top in the country at a lot of different categories, um, which certainly contributes to allowing any kind of running back uh, to to do what they want and giving shape and time to uh, to make plays and not surrendering sacks. Um, let's see, they're yeah, top fifteen in in sack rate, uh, top fifteen in stuff rate, top fifteen in Line yards, so um, really strong on the offensive line, and will will certainly be a challenge for that TCU defense to uh, to try to handle. On the flip side, I think we we kind of think of Baylor as as really being strong up front, but their their stats on Football Outsiders have them this season um, really poor in a lot of those those uh, metrics particularly, let's see, number 126 in power success rate. So meaning if it's third, fourth, and short, um, they're allowing that first down, which is something that we know TCU is also capable of taking advantage of from the offensive side. So I think maybe maybe a goal for the Frogs offense here will be to keep themselves ahead of the chains to where you're setting up relatively short um, late downs to where you're able to just pick it up and keep the chains moving um, rather than trying to really toss it all over the field on them, which, you know, Baylor, Baylor has been a little bit susceptible to as well, but I, I don't know that that's probably the the best way for TCU to, I don't want to say escape with a win, but all of these at this point is just get out of get out of Waco get a win and move on to the season finale with Iowa state. Um, so I think that may be an opportunity here. Let's see a lot of Kendry Miller, a lot of demarcado, and let's get Max Duggan's rushing game going again and, and get his confidence back on, on that aspect.
1: Yeah. And that's a, I think that's a good segue into what I'm, I'm looking to see offensively from TCU is, um, I want to see this passing game get back on track. Uh, Obviously the Frogs have run the ball seemingly whenever they've wanted, but I think it's important to continue to have that balance uh, offensively. And so a lot of those big plays and chunk gains down the field that we have seen throughout the season just haven't been there over the last couple of games. And so, I'm curious to see how the Frogs come out offensively, if they continue to uh, be a run-first, ball-control, uh, if you want to call it conservative, sure. But I, I would personally, I'd like to see uh, some adjustments with, with the game plan. I feel like Baylor is going to look at the film and what Texas Tech and Texas did over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, potentially come to the realization that, all right, if we can get a stop on early downs and contain that, that quick passing game to the outside and the, and the zone reads and get TCU into some predictable passing situations, we're sending some guys. We're sending five, six, maybe seven guys, and we're not going to let those plays develop down the field, and we're going to take advantage of, of one of Max's, shall I say, weaknesses, which is just that... That pocket presence that seems to just kind of leave him at times so uh, could we see some more action out of the backfield in the passing game potentially could we see uh, some more RPO maybe you fake the zone read and and find a tight end or a receiver over the middle and just try to get some more routes going vertically in short yardage and not necessarily uh, horizontally where guys earlier in the year were being able to get out in space, whereas as the season has progressed, I think teams have started to adjust and they're able to fly to the football more and they're able to get off of those blocks on the perimeter better. So uh, really curious to see how the Frogs come out in this game offensively, and I, I think they're going to make the right adjustments. And and for Max, who has you know been slumping a little bit, over these last few games, as I mentioned before, I think he's going to bounce back and, and, and have a really good game against the bears.
0: Awesome. So let's, let's jump into our predictions for, for this game, final scores and whatnot. So with TCU as a two and a half point favorite total on the game is a 58. I've got it relatively close, but TCU covering 30 to 24. So under the spread defensive struggle, um and, and TCU comes away with a just a six point victory. But like I said, anything you get out of Waco with a win is is going to be gravy in my mind. Um and I think I think they grind out a win. We we continue to hear whatever narrative from Stephen A. Smith, who's probably not watched a single college football game all season. He can shut it, everybody else can shut it, we just keep on winning.
1: Yeah, I'm going TCU 41, Baylor 20. I think this is an opportunity potentially, and I I hate to bring up the idea of style points and and win and pretty, but you look at how Michigan and Ohio State uh, beat up on mediocre football programs by 20 and 30 points. Not, I'm not saying that's
0: generous. Mediocre, Mediocre. that's generous. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I'm not saying Baylor's a mediocre team, but I feel like the the frogs just to kind of uh, get that to, to, to silence the national media pundits a little bit. Let's get a let's get a big time win against a quality opponent where it's not a three point or seven point or even a ten point spread. And I I, I like the frogs to be a little more explosive offensively in this game. Like I said, I think they're going to make the right adjustments. I think Max is going to have a bounce back game and I think the defense is going to continue to uh, build on what they've done over these last few games and and come out with a really good showing here. It seems like the defense is getting healthier. Uh, Millard Bradford is back and seemingly getting healthier and healthier at that nickel position. Bud Clark had a really nice game against the Longhorns. Um, He looks like he's getting healthier and healthier at that free safety spot. And obviously, D. Winters, we're not going to have to worry about any targeting fouls uh, keeping them out for this game. So uh, Shad Banks earned some valuable experience, and uh, I think the Frogs are going to come out and and uh, make a little bit of a statement in this rivalry game.
0: Uh, I would love to see it. Um, elsewhere in the Big 12, we've got Kansas State on the road in West Virginia, Texas on the road in kansas they're a nine and a half point favorite against the jayhawks texas tech at iowa state and oklahoma state at oklahoma in bedlam um none of these have the the head-to-heads of the team still vying for uh the big 12 championship so you know this this could go down to another week of wondering how this is going to shake out but um do, do you see all these favorites running the table here, or, or who's coming out and, and stealing a win?
1: You know what? I look at this, and I I feel like Oklahoma State is a huge wild card to me because they, they've had three different quarterbacks play in each of the last three games. I haven't read up on, on what the game plan is going to be for Oklahoma, if it's going to be Spencer Sanders or... Gunner Gundy or whoever. Uh, Oklahoma is kind of an uncharted territory here. And I think this game could go either way. I, I, I have no idea what to expect from that game. And you just had West Virginia uh, play spoiler again. I think with that game being in Morgantown, Kansas State could be on upset alert, as Paul Feinbaum would say. I, I think that's a... Honestly, a potential upset game there just given how tough it is to play there and to win games. And Kansas, I'm always going to root for just because it's the feel-good team. I say it every week.
0: Uh, especially against the Longhorns.
1: Especially against the Longhorns. And then Iowa State, again, another week of losing by less than seven points. It, it, If Iowa State could just get out of its own way for one week – I think they could win pretty handily against Texas Tech, but it's just the the interceptions. They had five turnovers against Oklahoma State, and it's just you can't win football games that way. And maybe this will be the week. I don't know. We will we'll, we'll find uh, out.
0: I'm going to encourage them to continue getting in their own way at least next week. They they can they can stay <laughs> out of the way this week. Next week, just go ahead and trip over your own feet. Th- yeah, throw the ball to to the team in purple. That's going to be great. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. So I, I think that closes it for football for the week. We have to talk about basketball. Let's go ahead and talk about some good of the basketball. TCU did win last Friday uh, since our last recording, um, 77-66 over Lamar, uh, where a, a game where Mike Miles put the team on his back, And, and basically was the offense, uh, scoring 26 points, hitting three three pointers. Um, Iman Miller got involved with 12 points and, and really the rest of the team contributed. Uh, but that, that was the, that was the, that was the, the main piece of it. I think this one was also too close for comfort that TCU ended up running away with it. Um, and, when it gets too close for comfort and you don't have the preseason Big Twelve player of the uh player of the year, things can get worse. So the the following game um, this week was against Northwestern State. Russ, what happened? What happened against Northwestern State for this TCU basketball team?
1: Sag. Sag <laughs> that happened. Uh, the Frogs came out and could not hit the broadside of a barn with the basketball if they tried. Uh, they shot two for 21 from three point range in the game. Their three point percentage now on the season is about 19%. Uh, Mike Miles did not play because of the injury that he sustained late in that game against Lamar. Uh, Damian Ball, of course, still out with that suspension. We will talk about that in a little bit. We have a little more clarity on that and how soon he will be returning. So that will be good news for TCU. But I think regardless with, even with those two players out, there should be enough talent on this team to win a home game against Northwestern state. Uh, Chuck O'Bannon was kind of the go-to scorer for the frogs in this game, but he really struggled. He was three of 14 from the field. One of seven from three had a really good look actually Uh, from beyond the arc to potentially win the game and just miss the shot. Um,
0: Eddie Lampkin
1: had 11 rebounds, but wasn't much of a factor offensively. Jamie Dixon said that he's been battling an illness, so uh, again, not trying to make excuses, but hopefully he gets that taken care of and gets back to 100%. Uh, Micah Peavy started in this game. He had 10 points, but the, the Frogs right now, the theme is this team just can't shoot. The, this team cannot shoot. 39% overall field goal percentage from the field from these first three games. Shoot Terrible. About 69% from the free throw line. Nice. But it's you're not going to win many games with those kind of numbers. And again, 19% from three-point range. It's, it's, it's brutal. And I, I know the Frogs are a team that they're not built necessarily to play really fast and run the score up and shoot the ball, shoot lights out, but you got to have at least one or two guys that consistently knock down perimeter shots. And Jacoby Coles hasn't done that. Uh, Micah Peavy's not really much of a shooter. Shahada Wells is getting his opportunity, still trying to find some consistency there. Rondell Walker, the transfer from Oklahoma State, uh has been a complete non-factor to be honest and so
0: not an offensive and and he wasn't really expected that wasn't that wasn't the intention for him coming in to be an offensive factor and part of that with yeah the the situation here early in the season he's had to to play more than probably was expected of him uh you know oh he comes off the bench and is a defensive stopper instead he's had to he's had to come out there and be a participant in the offense and that's that has not worked. <laughs> yeah. It's um, been, uh, and it's- and the, the defense has really just been terrible all around. I mean, we, the offense has been bad shooting, shooting abysmal, but have also been a sieve defensively. I mean, I think, I think Shahada Wells has, has been the kind of gotten the brunt of the, uh, the feedback on this of, man, he, I, I don't, I don't know that he's getting many stops. Um, anywhere defensively but really the whole the whole defense has had big struggles I mean these are uh, TCU basketball set up this schedule that opened the season with some of the worst teams in all of college basketball and part of the intention is look when you play in the big 12 you're playing this gauntlet of a schedule where at the end of the day you're going to have all these massive games, mm. um, to contribute to your resume. So you want to kind of ease into the season. It, it's a fair theory, except when you lose one of those games, this is going to be a huge black mark on the, on the resume down the line. I mean, this is almost guaranteed to be a quad four loss home to, to a team this bad. Um, it, it's going to be, uh, held against the frogs when, you know, if, if TCU, even gets back to the point of being in the bubble race or for seeding conversations, it's, um, it's going to be, you can't get rid of it. It won't be able to, to wipe away this, this bad loss. Um, and, but playing all these bad teams, they are, they're getting buckets on the frogs. I mean, they're, they're getting, they're getting to the hoop. They're hitting all their shots. It, It feels like, uh, Nothing's working really on either end of the, the court right now. Um, and yeah, we, we can move into to Damian Ball where – so it was reported and announced that the suspension will officially be six games um, for his signing with the unapproved agent uh, when he kind of put his name in the ring for, for the NBA draft uh, back last offseason. Um, so that, that will put him back for the game in the Big 12 Big East Challenge uh, against Providence on November 30th here in Fort Worth. Um, so three more games without Damian Ball. And we'll, we'll see what the Frogs are able to do um, as they go into, into this week and then with the, uh, the Emerald Classic coming up during the Thanksgiving week whether, whether TCU is able to get wins out of those games, but with ball returning, I'm still concerned about what, what this team has shown. Um, obviously he adds a dynamic playmaker. Um, he's good on both ends of the court and he can also make shots. Um, so all of those things are, uh, TCU has not displayed while he's been absent. Um, but the 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 support around miles and ball and really emmanuel miller as well uh is just going to really have to step up if TCU is going to reach anything close to its ceiling
1: yeah i think damian ball will you mentioned the defense and the 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 TCU backcourt over these first three games has gotten torched uh defensively i think in the northwestern state game the demons their starting backcourt combined I want to say scored about forty four, forty five points. Um, it, it, it was It was a tough scene for for the frogs, but I think Damian Baugh is going to be huge for the frogs offensively just because he will be their primary facilitator. the The ball movement at times has been really bad for for TC over these first few games. I want to say in the first half against Northwestern State. They only had three assists, uh, three Mm. or four assists, and that's just when you don't have that many dynamic isolation-type scores, having that few assists is just not going to cut it. So having his presence back in the lineup will be significant in that regard. He he will definitely help out with rebounding. Um, You look at his numbers last year, over 10 points, four-and-a-half assists, four-and-a-half rebounds a game he'll help out on the defensive end I think as well, just uh tightening up things in the backcourt a little bit. But like you said, uh you know, Damian Baugh can score, but he's not much of a shooter, you know, himself, at least from the perimeter. So it's gonna come down to a Shahada Wells or a Jacoby Coles uh or even a Micah Peavy to to start being a consistent threat from from the perimeter. I think Chuck O'Bannon will find his shooting stroke again. He's proven that he can be a good shooter. Uh, He has the experience to be able to bounce back, so uh, not a huge concern with him, but uh, it might seem like a little thing, but you lose Francisco Farabello to the transfer portal. He was a career 40-plus percent three-point shooter, even though he might have only given you a couple buckets. That's still a perimeter shooting threat that you lost and replaced with a guy in Rondell Walker who has given you basically zero on on that end, and uh, still a lot of basketball to play. Uh, obviously, so much to come for TCU, but uh, it starts with Louisiana Monroe uh, Thursday night. Hopefully, we start to see some some more simit uh, some more chemistry and improvement on that side of the ball.
0: Absolutely. Um, Elsewhere in TCU sports, the TCU soccer continued its NCAA tournament run. So winning its uh, first round matchup against UTSA, three to one at home and moves on to the round of 32, which will be played on-site at, uh, at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. Game will be against Michigan State, who uh, won its opening round after trailing early, um, but is is one of the top teams in the country. I think they they came into the tournament. They're the four seed here, but uh, we're like number six in the ranking overall. So a, a very strong Spartan squad that um, TCU will be taking on on Friday afternoon. So... Tune into that on your ESPN plus. TCU soccer was really impressive in that first round game. Um, Really moving the ball and, and putting things into play. Brennan Brossom got her first career goal. Um, Gracie Bryan had one deflect off a defender and uh, Messiah bright also uh, smashed one in. So, um, uh, a, a good all-around performance from them and and hopefully can keep it up against a, a really, really strong Michigan State squad. And TCU Volleyball, Russ, what do we got there?
1: Yeah, we got uh, TCU Volleyball on the podcast for the first time, I believe, this year. But for a deserving reason, uh, the Frogs taking down number 10 Baylor uh, three sets to one to move to eight and five in the big 12. And actually just this evening about an hour or so ago, the frogs also beat West Virginia in a five set match three to two, uh, to move to nine and five in the conference with, uh, I think two or three matches remaining. The frogs have clinched a top four finish in the conference and a winning record in the conference for only the second time in 11 years. So a really, uh, impressive accomplishment for a a rebuilding volleyball program under head coach, Jason Williams, uh, just some notable stats from the, the big upset over Baylor, which was also the first win over a top 25 team for TCU volleyball in six years. So also a really historic achievement for this program. Audrey Nalls had 22 kills to lead the offense in this match. She also had four blocks, Julia Adams with 10 kills and two aces, uh, Zoe Hall and Jalen Gibson, both with some big defensive plays. They combined for, uh, nine blocks in the match along with 17 kills. So, uh, the Frogs trending in the right direction in volleyball, uh, playing some really good opponents and coming away with wins as they, uh, Hit the home stretch here in the Big 12 schedule, and looking to see a a, a really strong finish, and the, to see this program really uh, begin to flourish. Um, you know, when I was at TCU from I believe 2012-2016, I I don't think there was a lot of success there in in volleyball. And granted, you had some some really good individual players come through. Uh, refreshing to see. The frogs, not only in beach volleyball recently, but indoor on the court, getting it done as well. Hoping the best for for the the Lady Frogs down the stretch here over these last few matches.
0: Yeah, another program with uh, a first year coach for for the frogs coming in and and really picking up the level of play for for the Horn Frog program. So great to see. And I think that's all for us. We're uh, excited for this this big uh football game on Saturday in Waco and of course come follow us on Twitter at frogs of war uh catch us on YouTube on Facebook everywhere you get podcasts thank you for listening uh thank you for following us and read everything that uh, we're we're working on over at frogs of com. uh and and enter the conversation with us during the game threads you know get your uh all all release of all the the things you want to say uh, you know it, it's it's a fun time uh hanging out with the fans there talking about the game as it's happening um and anything else Russ? what do we got
1: Max was in <laughs> That's what I got Bring Go the frogs. energy bring the energy to uh the toilet bowl this weekend and let's come back next week and and talk about 11 or no TCU Horn Frog football team.
0: Let's get it. Go Frogs!